Thundering across the stars to save the universe from the monster minds. Jace searches for his father to unite the magic root and lead his lightning league to victory over the changing form of Sawboss. Wheeled warriors explode into battle. Lightning strikes. There's a power that comes from deep inside Pour yourself a bowl of great value fruit spins. It's Saturday Morning Crunch, the show where we review Saturday morning cartoons nominated by you. I'm your host, Kyle Von Kubik, and I'm joined along with... Uh, my name is John, also known as Johnny Capcom. John, it's it's been a while since we did a podcast together. Yes. And what's interesting about this podcast is we kicked this idea around, I believe, three years ago or four years ago where we wanted to do a cartoon review show. Yeah. Yeah. I, rem- I remember talking about that. Um, I think or- originally it was spurned on by your referencing to, uh, what was that dinosaur one? Denver, the last dinosaur. Spoiler. <laughs> we will be talking about Denver, the last dinosaur, <laughs> but not this episode. Uh, this episode, we're going to discuss Jace and the wheeled warriors. Specifically, we're going to review uh, season one, episode one, Escape from the Garden of Evil. Yes, it's. Um, I'd never seen this show before. N- nor did I. Um, I was uh, like, I, I was one and change when it came out. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I was. It, I was three. It's, in in but, fact, um, I wasn't even quite three because my birthday's on the uh, the ninth, and this aired Saturday, September sixth, nineteen eighty six, in France. In France, yes. Yeah. So by the time it made the air, made the airwaves in the U.S. on the 16th of September in 1986, you would have been around. So you really, I mean, did you have excuses? No, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Past, I didn't know how to work the remote yet. If we even had a remote, I doubt it. I think I still had the turn dial television back then. Did yeah. you have TV in your room when you were a kid? Um, When I was about 13, yes. Yeah, I had... Not- I had one pretty early on. It was from my grandfather, but it was like, you know, the the televisions that looked like pieces of furniture. Yeah, the wood sightings. Yeah, and, yeah. So I got one of those that he was, I guess, you know, hand me down situation. It was a big ass. For, well, you know what? It was probably very small, but I was a small child. But it was a black and white television. And boy, did, I I played Atari and I ended up playing Nintendo because that was my TV well into. Probably my like early teens or preteens was this big hunkin black and white television with the wood grain paneling and the fabric over the speakers. 
Well, uh, the house I grew up in had three rooms. Okay. So you could hear the TV in any of them. <laughs> you, know, you didn't need an extra one. That's a nice feature for a house. Yeah, it's a. I, I like. I still, whenever I hear like the theme song for Unsolved Mysteries, like, <laughs> I, I get chills because I remember as a child like trying to sleep while it was on in the next room. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Jace and the Wheeled Warriors, or it would be truncated later to just the Wheeled Warriors, ran for a total of sixty-five episodes. It's a nice run for a, uh, a cartoon show of this type, especially one that I hadn't seen before. Um, so I'm surprised that I missed it. You know, I guess it didn't get syndicated past the six, 65 episodes. It did get um, some home releases on uh, VHS and DVD in uh, the PAL region. And there was a VHS uh, release in like 87 for North America. Um, there was, but, um, sorry to cut you off. No, uh, go there, ahead. Uh, there was planned to be a feature film after the 65 episodes. Oh, was there? Yeah, I read an interview with the series, the, with the showrunner, uh, J. Okay. Michael Straczynski, and he said there was initially supposed to, they were going to finish up with the film, but it just didn't catch on, so they didn't bother. I don't want to jump ahead too much, but this show is just dripping with style. And it's very ambitious for what it's trying to accomplish. I mean, the, the end goal is to sell toys. And it's pretty obvious what the toys were going to be watching this first episode. And I think they made the wrong choice as far as what was released. But yeah, I could totally see this as, you know, a film or a straight to home VHS release type film. Because it's just dense with... Like <laughs> things, <laughs> just so many things are happening, and uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, toys. Um, there was a toy line for this uh, cartoon show, um, and it focuses primarily around the vehicles because that's what the wheeled warriors are. Are these people that um, ride around in vehicles, or the antagonists are plants that turn into vehicles? It's kind of a muddled situation here where this is the late 80s, early 90s push for this um, eco-activism with children's media. But for whatever reason, the plants are the bad guys. But they're, they're, <laughs> they're talking about like uh, conservation and environmentalism. The protagonists are. But then they're actively fighting plants and their enemies look more organic in nature than the vehicles that they're riding, which look like the type of things that would be bulldozing rainforests in South America. Well, the, the, the Jace of the wheeled warriors, mm -hmm. uh, his dad, his dad is a scientist who, um, accidentally creates the monster minds. Right. Uh, who are the intelligent plants that seem to want to wipe out um, human life, um, yeah. which to be fair, again, going back to that environmentalism kick, if you're a plant, <laughs> not a bad idea. <laughs> you know? But um, what, what did make me laugh, and I'm kind of jumping forward here a little bit, but uh, yeah. as far as the actual show goes, but yeah. I, I it, like it, to, to your point, the idea of selling things, what made me laugh was how the the dad, he, you know, he mixes up 
you know, chemical X and chemical Y in with some roots or whatever, and some radiation from the sun comes in yeah. and turns these plants into like super beings, like within seconds. Yes. And, uh, but what's funny is he just goes like without even blinking. He just goes, "Be careful! The monster mines are evil." And I was going, "He branded them straight away." <laughs> like, like this man was on the ball, you know. Should have been working for Apple. Yeah, how did he know they were called the monster mines? How did he know they were evil? It didn't matter. We had play sets and toys to sell. That was it, and um, which is ironic because the toys I looked into the toys they never released action figures of the cast. Right, which I think is a disservice because I think the vehicles, and again, we watch an episode of a, a series and then discuss whether or not we would continue watching based on that episode for this program. So I, you know, I don't know how it progressed, but for this single episode, the characters are so much stronger, particularly the protagonists are so much stronger than the vehicles. You know, and I'm surprised that they didn't make action figures because of how well designed all of them are. They're all kind of unique in their costuming and their uh, traits, you know, yeah, yeah. especially one character that I have in mind, which I, I see by reviewing our notes, we both enjoyed very much. As the little knight? Yes. Yeah. Why, why don't you discuss the plot a little bit since we're kind of like on the fence right now between the toys and, and, and the plot? The the plot is um, Jace and his wizard uncle, I guess, mm -hmm. and his little sister who looks like Rainbow Bright. Yes, they all live together in a in a giant bubble. bubble which, by the way, is a thing that I am just a big mark for. Like any kind of like terrarium ecosystem in sci-fi is just a thing I love anyway. Right, and uh, it's like I think it all goes back to. Um, the episode of Captain Planet where they go to Atlantis. Oh, I don't it, remember that one. Maybe we'll watch that one for this show. It's a, well, I mean, I, I kind of want to leave it as a memory if I'm honest with you, because I bet it's terrible. <laughs> and uh, I think it'd be more fun to watch the episode of Captain Planet where he goes to Belfast. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, but the the, the vision of uh, Atlantis was like that kind of dome of glass thing, yeah. and. Uh, even in Spaceballs, I love the way it looks and the, the planet with the oxygen shield looks in Spaceballs. It's just something I dig. Sure. But, uh, something there has, yeah, something has happened to their world where they're in this bubble. Um, what I gleaned from the story is that the planet has been ravaged um, and there's some sort of drought and there's an issue with um, sustaining life and food and... Uh, it's only a matter of time before they have to leave. What's odd about the opening is, so they're in the bubble, our cast, and the bubble is being consumed by vines, which is blocking out the sun, and the bubble gets the power to be the bubble from the sun. So if the bubble isn't you know, in direct sunlight, it's going to wear off and the vines are going to get them. But they don't know about the monster mines yet, and I'm not entirely certain if the vines had anything to do with the monster mines or not i thought they did but it, it seems like this is something they're dealing with uh currently but they're also expecting jace's dad to come back from wherever he is right now you know, it's yeah. a very very muddled story but it has a great first of all great theme and we'll get to the theme 
in a little bit, but that the, the opening theme and then the opening shots of this episode, you're immediately interested in like, what is going on? I want to see more of this. Oh yeah. Like it's very high quality artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, like it, it begins with the, the little night character own. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of running away from the, the monster minds who are, you know, already, um, present right and, they're chasing the, after him and they're like get his root and i'm like yeah. what <laughs> yeah. which was uh admittedly quite confusing you're like okay yeah. um that sounds like you're gonna violate him a little bit but whatever give and, me that uh, root <laughs> which i think actually- now un's un's design he looks like a a little knight but i believe he's some sort of robot yeah he i, I thought he was like an enchanted piece of armor could be um, his head does come off and <laughs> there's a scene where he's this was a very um like right-minded choice for a very left-minded show he's telling the cast uh what happens to him once he is, he gets back to the dome and he escapes the monster minds and they made this choice where he opens his mouth very wide and we zoom into the black void <laughs> of his helmet <laughs> So we can have a flashback. And I was like, that is such a weird, interesting choice. You know, <laughs> normally it's just like they, they put a little uh, wavy water effect over the screen or something. And we see a flashback. This is like, he's like, well, let me tell you what <laughs> opens his mouth. But he is he, uh, the, the voice actor made some great choices uh, in regard to uh, his voice and how he played him because this show is it's so obvious the different star wars pastiche that it's you know t- or pastiches that it's taking whereas like un very easily could have been a c3po or an r2d2 you know a robot that beats or, or, or um that one from he-man what was he called snarf yeah no that's thundercats you know snarf, snarf. oh it's snarf snarf yeah 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 i'm sorry yeah, yeah. but yeah it could have been something like that instead it's this He's he's somewhat cowardly, but he's not really cowardly. He he there's this this um he's nervous, it, but he's, he's nervous. Brave. Exactly. Yes, he's he's brave and it's it's an interesting character choice. And again, I'm, maybe I'm looking a little too deep for a uh, children's cartoon show, but you know, being brave isn't necessarily not being afraid. And I think that's what makes this character interesting is that he could have just been one note like a C-3PO. Like, I don't want to do that. Instead, he's like, well, I'm nervous, but I'm brave and I can do it. And I'm going to help Jason. He's my master and stuff like like he was de- like all the characters pretty much are developed rather quickly where it's like, oh, OK, I see where they're going. But there's the Obi-Wan character with the, you know, old uncle wizard. There's the Luke character who's the, the parentless hero. There's the scoundrel. Um, oh man, and his name is so close to Han Solo and it completely slipped my mind now. It's Herc something. Yeah, it's it's Herc Lonely. <laughs> Storm Sailor? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, Herc Storm Sailor, which is definitely a name he made up himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, his sister, or I don't, I don't think she is his sister. I think she might be some kind of fabricant as well. As, uh, oh, the little girl, yeah, Flora. Yeah, I believe again, and I'll, I'll we'll wrap up the story <laughs> on how I I really feel about the writing in the show. But I believe she says that Jace's father created her from plants, so she's a 
humanoid slash plant being. She's that in between, uh, in between, uh, like a Dunpee, if you will, uh, where it's like half human, half vampire. I don't even know if that's the right term, but that's what I got from the English dub of Vampire Hunter D. But every time I see say Dunpee, people look at me sideways. So if there's that, a different term, is, is there a different? Dampier? Is that one? Oh, it is Dampier, and I'm an idiot. I've been saying it wrong all these years, and that's why people <laughs> look at me sideways. Anyway, wrapping up on the story, uh, this very much reminds me of later Final Fantasy games, particularly Final Fantasy VII, where there is a lot of interesting things happening. There's a lot uh, happening. There's a lot of interesting choices, and, and, and there's a lot of style and aesthetic, but I can't make a lick out of what the heck is happening in the story at all. I, I watched this episode twice. It washed over me both times. I mean, yes, there's little things like there's bad guys and good guys and everything else, but they're talking about very dense stuff. And I'm just imagining like a six-year-old trying to watch this. And for them, it's like, it's flashy. It's cool. There's lasers, robots, vehicles, monsters. That's all they need. As an adult watching this, I'm just like, I, I is there like a, a syllabus I should have read prior to watching this episode? It's very well, this much is, um, this is this is a problem and an objection that a lot of parents had back in the day mm. where they'd be like, there's nothing going on here. Why do these kids watch these shows? You know, and they'd be, right. you know, why aren't they reading Dostoevsky are <laughs> 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 discussing, you know, mor morality. And it's just like, no, this is this was like this is, you know, eye candy yeah. for children, you know, where, and for me, like the reason um I enjoy it is because I enjoy this kind of thing where it's like a, you know, visual sci-fi of a certain vintage mixed right. with cool, cool music and just visuals where I'm just like, I'll just, I'll watch it as an installation as much as I'll watch it as a piece of narrative uh, fiction. Sure. And sure. that's the thing. Like there, there is a moment where they literally do a floor show for a toy line, you know, <laughs> where the, like the, the villains turn up to attack the, the globe they're living in. Yeah. And, you know, they basically go, oh, okay, well, let's just use all of our neat toys and show off their action features to defeat these, uh, yeah, these monsters. Which, again, as a child, you're just like, yeah, that is cool. And this is the thing about, like, about toy lines and all that is that they are genuinely interesting to children. Yeah, oh, just sure. And the story, like, if you think about a child playing with a, with, with a toy, um, like they're coming up with their own story and at you know four five six it's not making much sense you know they're it's whatever it it's the it's the bang the the spectacle the bang the crash the the sound effects that's what they're doing when they play so to see it on the screen and it's happening is it hits all the notes for them right <laughs> yeah I, I will say though um and this is just a note i had here um because i i have the uh formal notes we have and i have my handwritten notes and I just have written Chase is a dweeb because <laughs> that's, <the only, laughs> that's the only thing. It's like there's a bit earlier on where like he wants to drive one of the cars to save the day or whatever. Yeah. And uh, the Obi Wan Kenobi uncle goes, you know, says like, J "Come on, Chase, don't be stupid." And he's like, but, uh, <laughs> like he's, <got> to, <laughs> he's, know, he's very much the Luke Skywalker of the film. Yeah, he's like, oh, let's do it. And you're just like, oh, God, I remember characters like this. They were, I mean, maybe they still exist amongst children's cartoons or whatever, but the frustrated adolescent who wants to prove that it can, you know, um, go and save the day, even though the day is clearly beyond his reach. <laughs> <laughs> 
let's talk about some of the uh, similar cartoon shows or contemporaries of this show uh, that people might be more familiar with. Uh, right off the bat, we, we both thought of Thundercats, uh, 1985 by Rankin Bass, mm-hmm. and um, Silverhawks, 1986. This rang real close to Silverhawks for me. And um, so Silverhawks actually had, uh, I think, a less episode count, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. I watched a lot of Silverhawks as a kid. I had the giant eagle. Um, and Silverhawks, I'm not going to get too deep into. Uh, but if you're familiar with that show and you dug that show, I'm, I'm going to imagine that these two shows are very similar. Uh, style aside, um, with what they're presenting, which is little story, high spectacle. Um, what other two shows did this show remind you of? Well, for me, uh, an immediate one was Ulysses 31. Yeah. Um, and that Which was also... I, I only discovered recently. I, I never saw this as a kid. Did you watch that? Um, I really, I saw a VHS compilation of like two episodes in 1995 mm-hmm. or thereabouts. Okay. Uh, and I remember because um, the house I saw it in, they had like a sword handle on the wall. Okay. And I think he had like a laser sword in the thing. And I was like, going, hey, can I just play with this for a couple <laughs> hours now? Um, and I was impressed because it was a, a cartoon featuring a lead character with a beard, which mm-hmm. wasn't really done back then for whatever reason. Maybe beards are tricky to animate. But, um, <laughs> and, he, you know, that makes him kind of old as well, I suppose. Sure. You know? So when you're five, you're like, what are you, 28? When's your pension kick in? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the, this is um, the thing I think we'll we'll you know tread over a lot when we're watching these shows and reviewing them is these were children's shows that were designed by committee by adults who th- thought they knew what children wanted to watch and I remember for me at least as a kid that I didn't want to see annoying little kids on a show like this, these, these, you know, high fantasy or high sci-fi type shows. I wanted to see like an adult, but not too old. Cause I didn't want to be the grandpa, but you wanted to be, you know, the, uh, the Hector starship or whatever his name was, you know, or He-Man uh, for that, for, <laughs> for that matter, or uh, Lionel from Thundercats, you know, nobody wanted to be kid or cat from Thundercats. Uh, that's, you know, the, that's why everybody hates uh, Robin. Right, because the kids want to be Batman, you know. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be Batman's friend. Right. So yeah, uh, for Ulysses, it was an interesting choice to go with somebody who was clearly in their thirties, at least. Um, Maybe he was thirty-one. You know, yeah. <laughs> it would make sense. Ulysses thirty-one. It was, it was a great pull, and I'm glad you pulled it because with the name Jace, forgive me for not being well read, but is this some sort of reimagining of Jason and the Argonauts? I yeah I grew up with those stories, but I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember I, the Harryhausen film. Um, yeah, I but, had books of those stories, and I had I, I'm more familiar with like Jason and the Golden Fleece and all that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. Which um, I always I always thought was so cool because Hercules was in it. You know, right. and I was like, whoa, look at this crossover. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, which is what it was like. Is it's, sure. It's, it's really interesting because I think he's in the, the Harryhausen film as well. Uh, it shows you like how I believe so. 
there's no bodybuilders back then because it was just like <laughs> a tall man, a, a thick, <laughs> a thick boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, the the other thing, like I Thundercats was came straight to mind because it's similarly about like a small crew of displaced people with a protagonist who has to kind of master technology that was left to him yeah um, by you know his absentee parents right. um fantasy setting as well same time basically yeah. and Thund- thundercats is a really good uh show I think the intro was- the the first episode of that series if i'm remembering correctly does a much better job on setting up the world and the characters than this one does well i think with thundercats they actually had some like child psychologists on the writing staff. Mm-hmm. So, so they were kind of like writing to children almost subconsciously as sure. much as they were on the surface. Um, I'd never seen Silverhawks. I just Google images it there a second ago. I yeah. would have watched it though if I, if I had, a, you know, maybe I probably did, but you know, these things just kind of drop away. Yeah. Um, the last, uh, like, contemporary that i added here um was interstellar 555 uh, not i'm not familiar at uh, all the, yeah the story yeah. of the secret star system it's um if you do you listen to daft punk at all oh sure okay uh, well you know the album discovery yes that oh I, uh, yes i do know yeah. what this is okay that, yeah yeah that movie is just a feature-length music video for the entire album of discovery Right, right. This is, um, if you're familiar with um, the anime or the manga Galaxy Express 999, um, the style, uh, the artwork style of that manga and the the anime, uh, forgive me, I I don't know the uh, creator, although I I do love the characters uh, from that series, um, is very similar. And, and, you know what? I think what we'll do is we'll jump into the art direction because this is this is all making sense as far as like these four shows that we're discussing, or well, really a movie and three shows. Is this is like top tier French animation influenced by Japanese art? Well, I mean, the French art was very influential to Japanese art at the same time. Okay. Like when when you go back and read like Humanoids and stuff like that, the, yeah. the comics. Uh, put out in the 70s like uh, uh, what was it uh, Valerian and Laurely and the Encal and stuff like that you know as a heavy metal magazine these things like they greatly influenced Japanese uh, manga art mm-hmm. of the time as well so there's kind of a, a, a bit of both going uh-huh. on there okay. you know like the, and um, the, the Interstellar we'll just leave it at Interstellar because sure. I don't want to read the whole thing yeah. like that was, Daft Punk obviously were a French uh, house music outfit. Yeah. And they grew up watching, you know, French cartoons, but also Japanese cartoons because they were so similar. And yeah. then there was a, like a, this Mysterious Cities of Gold. That was okay. a collaboration between French and uh, Japanese studios. So there's a lot of kind of cross pollination going on there. Right. And, um, but the, and like the reason I brought up that movie in particular is yeah. that it is an audio visual, like sci fi ambience. And that's what I like for me with this show. It doesn't have the kind of depth that an adult would seek, you know, when you're mm-hmm. looking for something to watch. But the art is so beautiful it and is. so well designed and so well animated that yeah. I could just like, I'm like, yeah, cool. I, I would happily have this on, you know? Right. 
Yeah, I could see uh, clips for this show being used in some sort of, you know, they they take the audio out and somebody is playing house music or something. You ever go to like um, a club that does that? They got, you know, Nosferatu playing behind the DJ or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like I could see, you know, a, a DJ mixing in the audio visual because it is, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and like I said, that the opening sequence of the show was enough to hook me. And I just because I had to, you know, find something to detract from it. I think the weakest point is the story where the, the, the strongest point for the show is its art direction. It is just, it's interesting to look at the, even the costuming of the characters is just such interesting choices. They could have went with just like they're in silver mylar suits or something, but no, it's like, Grandpa Wizard has a very specific outfit. The the scoundrel has a very specific outfit. His ship looks nothing like anything else you've seen. Where like the vehicles that the protagonists are using are very blocky and angular, like bulldozers or excavators. And here comes this scoundrel. And he's got this like sh- streamlined, more rounded edges airship. It, yeah, it looks like a um, like an eighteen hundreds like sea vessel. Yes, it's like shaped like that, and it has when they go into space, it has like solar sails and stuff that come out. Right. Um, what but, what other ca- comparisons could you make in regard well, to this show, and then maybe it shows that people are more familiar with the uh, well? I mean, the the design of the vehicles reminded me immediately of Mask and uh, yeah. Transformers. And probably GI Joe as well, where you've got like these, you know, because like the Jace, uh, I think we might have gone over this or skipped it by it a little bit. Um, mm. He has like a a that's what I'm thinking of here. Um, a selection, I'll just put of like wheeled vehicles that he can drive. Sure, yeah, and they're all armed in different ways, and they, the weapons on each are interchangeable. Right. And I think the toys were designed first because they were released obviously without the the action figures. And what the, one of the features of the toys was that you could stack them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of happens here where you can kind of mix and match elements of one ship or the other or one car or the other. Yeah. And um that's a like that's the kind of thing that would have very much interested me as a child as well. Sure. Because, you know, I mean, uh, Transformers, I don't remember watching Transformers as a child. I think it was probably off the air by the time I was old enough to be interested in it, but I still wanted those toys. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Yep. And you could also, uh, and I think you did, too, make this comparison with Voltron, with, you know, the stacking, the the putting things together. Now, Voltron was a show I watched a lot as a child and had uh, the toy. And... um, you know, I, I could see the the marketing behind the stackable toy because it, you know, got to catch them all was happening much earlier than uh, Pokemon. It was like, well, I need this to do this and stack this on top of this one, and I need to build, you know, Voltron, so I need all five lions to do that. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's very apparent. It's not Bucky O'Hare apparent, but it, it's pretty obvious. What the, you know, like I said, it, what the toys were 
are very obvious in the show. It's like, yeah, and the showcasing of this is their vehicles and their vehicles do this. And here they all are. And $14.99 gets you this, you know? So. I mean, the thing is, and I think one of the reasons that the toy line would have failed was because it didn't have those cheaper to get action figures. Because in my experience, anyway, yeah. it was only birthdays and Christmas that you were getting the big play sets or the. Oh, me, you and me both, brother. You know, yeah. like you weren't getting a, a car of the average Saturday, but you might be able to squeak out an action figure. You want to hear something, uh, side story, real sad? <laughs> so on. the first Ninja Turtles thing that I ever had was the case to collect the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> okay, so I had no Ninja Turtles, but I had this really crappy looking case. <laughs> with uh two pieces of injection mold plastic so you could like put the characters in and that was it and it was empty and that was a present for about six months it it remained empty and then the uh, first wait it gets better then the first ninja turtle figure that i had was a wind-up mauser that was it <laughs> I had I had a lone wind-up Mauser that thankfully some generous child gave me at one of my birthdays as a gift. That was it. So, yeah, it was bad. In, in fact, in uh, in I believe kindergarten, I stole a Ninja Turtle that somebody left in their cubby, and I blacked out. I did marker on the the, the bottom of the foot because his name was on it, and uh, I told oh, my mom I found him in the street. <laughs> she's like where'd this come from i'm like i found him in the street and it was donatello and he had none of his parts and i still have him today my son plays with him but uh he, he didn't have his belt or his bow or anything he's just you know just the figure so yeah those were my first two it was a gifted mauser and a stolen donatello figure well we were poor back in the day bud yeah so are we but i had shredder <laughs> and stuff because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the, I, well, some of us didn't have all that shredder money to throw around <laughs> for me i i remember for a birthday i got shredder donatello and the rat king but i never had play sets or anything like that gotcha uh, i have to imagine that and this might sound weird but i have to imagine toys were a little bit cheaper uh later on here because our money was worthless <laughs> It was only in like 1998 that our money was actually worth anything. Gotcha. Um, but before that, it was just like, you know, I'm sure if you brought like five Irish pounds to America, it'd be like, oh, this is 10 cents. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, the I will say like as far as graphical our present, uh, yeah, graphical presentation. Sure. Uh, um, the design of the villains really appealed to me. It uh, the monster minds themselves. It reminded me a lot of the villain from Krull. Oh, okay. I thought the big bad um, with his style because um, you also mentioned that there's a, a Dragon Ball comparison with this show. Oh yeah, he very much he looks, looks like, like 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 one of the Frieza clan people. Uh, the big bad because mm -hmm. he is he's very organic. And we didn't really discuss the villains too much, but they're they're styling because they are these monster plants have these very interesting organic features about them and this dude looks like again i'm going to say some sort of dragon ball z type character or if you were to think of a krang from ninja turtles having like a really muscular ripped up body 
and not the robot body that he hangs out in the tummy. And I'm saying like, you know, this dude's doing some HGH. That's what he looks like. And he's sitting on this throne where he's, I think he's connected to the vines. So, but then he gets annoyed because he has his own technodrome too, which which he can make appear and disappear, I think. Yes. Yeah. So it's, again, there's a lot of just, a lot of sizzle, a lot of sizzle. Um, and, and, <laughs> very little steak. Very little steak. Unless the steak you're looking to eat is art, and then there's there's so much steak. There's too much steak to take in. But if you're looking for story, there there's really it. It's pretty weak. It's meek. Um, but yeah, the, the the villains too. Just great, great styling choices. The yeah, they really reminded me of that kind of like. Uh, you know, what was that character in Dragon Ball Z? Freezer was that his name? Yes, Frieza, and I think he and had a pick, brother Pickle, named Pickleman. Pickleman, Pickle he was there. Uh <laughs> and Dracula, Dracula, <laughs> Pink, Pink Spider Man was there. <laughs> but um, no, it was Frieza and Cooler was his uh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Refrigerator was his father. And they had a cousin called Freon. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, the I only watched the Dragon Ball Z arc with uh, Majin Buu. Ah, um, okay. So I kind of missed all the other stuff. Here in America in the early 90s, um, the, the, the arc that was shown over and over and over again before there was like cable vision, well, before there was widespread cable television, oh. um, was the the initial arc where he defeats his brother uh raditz i believe and he's mm -hmm. heading to planet namek to fight frieza i can't tell you how many times i watched that goddamn arc because that was all that they they they, they bought um and they would syndicate that one over and over and over again it wasn't until uh, cable uh, cable television came into being affordable for everybody and then cartoon network came around with Toonami that everyone got to see the complete arc of that, you know, net planet Namek situation. But then what happened was they ended up repeating that arc over and over and over again until they bought the rest of it. So it, for a long time, unless you had the, the money to spend on imports, you had to wait a long time to see uh, the Dragon Ball Z story arcs. But really, what it, it's all the same thing, right? Big Bad comes, I gotta train for a while, I go fight them, my power level's this, his power level's that, hey, I got a new color hair, you know? Yeah, I die. My son yeah. fights him. That's basically I'm, how it I'm goes. back! <laughs> yeah. Because it's like Norse mythology. Like, I was laughed in Norse mythology when to be like, oh no, he's dead, we're so sad, I'll go hang out with him in hell, though, it's cool. <laughs> All right, let's talk sound design, uh, voice acting, and music. Um, okay, I like the music was excellent. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I watched this on YouTube with headphones on. Yeah, and I picked up on a lot of the kind of ambient music that you wouldn't have heard through, you know, one tiny speaker in the corner of a television in 1985. Um, so yeah, you know the it it definitely. It bears listening to this with a good sound system because they did a lot of really good work, and there's, it's a, it's really high standard music. Yeah, you know, oh like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the opening is, uh, Shooky Levy, the the theme composer, uh, doing his best Michael Bolton impression for the opening theme. It sounds like a Mike Michael Bolton song of that era, 
And I'm not a fan of Michael Bolton, but there's some serious butt rock. And th- I've this would be like a top tier opening theme for me um, for, you know, cartoons. Oh, yeah. No, the music up and down is really good. Yeah, even the outro. The outro is a different song too. It's not like they just mm-hmm. repeat the 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 intro. So that that was pretty impressive too. They spent money. They spent some money on the on this uh, this initial episode at least. Well, that's that's the thing I'm wondering as well. Is like did this standard hold up throughout the rest of the production? Yeah, we don't know. We we have no idea. We only watched this one episode. Oh, hey there, listener. I didn't see you come in. Well, since you're here. Let me personally thank you for listening to this program. If you'd like to show your support a little bit further, check out the Hot-Blooded Challenger Club. That's hotbloodedchallenger.club. You can become a member for as little as a dollar a month. And with that dollar, you get access, early access, to premium episodes of this very podcast. What's a premium episode? Additional content that's cut just for club members. You could be listening to that instead of this advertisement right now. And hey, don't have the buck, but want to support the show? Leave us a five-star review on your podcast catcher of choice. Honestly, it it goes so far to help our algorithm, so one day you could hear me advertising for uh, comfortable underoos, or a really good mattress, or yet another subscription box. But regardless, thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, we'll leave it at that. So we're back, and uh, we just had a very good conversation about something you might have missed if you weren't a uh, member of the Hot-Blooded Challenger Club. Hey, if you want to be a member of the Hot-Blooded Challenger Club, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month. That's one buck a month, and you can hear some special content plus 50% more podcasts. So go check it out at hotbloodedchallenger.club. John, let's wrap up on Jace and the Wheeled Warriors. Uh, what are your uh, likes, dislikes, and final thoughts for the show? Well, I mean, like we've already talked about the art uh, and yeah. the, and the vehicle yeah. designs and all that. And as yeah. it, I, I was really surprised by how much I loved Oon. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I couldn't quite uh, get what gender they were supposed to be. Like he had kind of a. Like it could have been a little boy night or a little girl night. Yeah, um, I I see that, and it, I don't know. Like I know this is very like twenty twenty to say it doesn't really matter. You know, Un's Un, and if Un's a robot or uh, enchanted suit armor, Un doesn't really have a gender. So I think they is probably the best pronoun. What I liked about Un a lot is it reminded me of the type of character that might show up in Unico, which is a movie that I watched on VH, VHS over and over again when I was very young. And I just reintroduced it to my son, who's four, who equally loves it. But it's that type of like magical creature that's funny and cute, but also adventurous and daring. And I think that's why Un, you know, w- was a hook for me. And they opened the show with Un. And you're like, what's this little guy doing? You know, where's it going? What's it, why is it being chased? Why do they want its roots so bad? <laughs> the uh, I mean, this is the thing. Like with uh, it reminded me a lot of the Saturn game, Clockwork Knight. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, and that's it, a good that's, pull. That's um that is a, obviously a Clockwork Knight, which Un yeah. kind of is. 
And, and it kind of reminded me of uh, TikTok, you know, in. Ah, yeah, that's uh, another good pull. And another. Return to Oz. Yeah, another great character. Not the Thirst Trap app. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, but no, I, I, yeah, I, like, all, uh, pretty much the whole package I enjoyed. As I said, like, I. Uh, yeah, it would have been nicer if, like, if it was made today with the exact same assets, but like with a modern um, writing standard. Yeah, you know, I, I'd be all over it. Oh sure, sure. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the show too. The only thing I can criti- critique is the story, but at the end of the day, did it matter? No. Um, it's just I got to find something to nitpick on, and you know like we keep going back to it is it's just all style and aesthetic and uh, maybe a little too ambitious for its own good but i would watch another episode of this in fact i probably will just to see if this uh high caliber of quality uh with its strong attributes is continued throughout the series you know i might dip into some episodes in the middle and see how it ended but uh yeah it's really cool i i would you know recommend someone watching this you know especially if they're not familiar with um uh, the show series or, or similar shows or if they like similar shows like thundercats or silver hawks or ulysses 31 uh you're gonna dig this definitely yeah and if you're one of these uh, people who's kind of growing up now like our our pop culture is still obsessed with the 80s oh yeah you know and like there are kids who grow like even was it like netflix Netflix is obsessed with the 1980s because Stranger Things is probably their most popular show. And then right. the, the new uh, one is The Haunting of Bly Manor. Like, it's set in the 80s. Everything is set in the, set 80s. In the 80s. right? And it's like, if you want to get a bit of that texture, that 1980s texture in your life, this is a good way to do it, you know? Right. Um, this vintage I, futurism, too, which is has never gone away, where people love the aesthetics that came from the 60s and 70s and 80s that were trying to project what 1990 was going to be or what 2000 was going to be right like the bubble dome yeah, yeah. like because uh, that was a big part of um like geodesic domes were like predict- oh yeah predicted yeah. as being this thing for the future biodomes um, oh yeah like yeah. They, they never quite worked out though did they biodomes? no neither did Pauly they- Shore. <laughs> Well, uh, the, uh, I was going to say, uh, just one recommendation sure. is if somebody wants to watch a more modern type show of this type, um, I would recommend uh, just actually just watching anything that Shinshiro Watanabe has made okay. in the sci-fi realm, but more specifically Space Dandy. Um, okay. Space Dandy is like a comedy sci-fi show. Right. Um, but it's a similar kind of approach to the way the um, the vehicles are designed. There's a lot of really cool spaceships and aliens and stuff in there. But it's cool. more of a kind of like a adult kind of humor thing. Nice. Um, it's it's funny in both Japanese and English. But I'd recommend obviously watching it in English because you know speak it. <laughs> now, uh, if you're familiar with Gotta Go Cast, you know we rank Sonic the Hedgehog games by Chili Dogs. Uh, John has elected to rank the shows we watch by cereal bowls, which I'm all for. Um, the, the weirder ranking system, the better. So, John, how many cereal bowls would you rank Jace and the Wheeled Warriors? 
Well, Jason Wills Warriors is a definite thumbs up for me, but yeah. it ultimately gets a seven out of ten. Right. Um, my comment would be that it's full of flavor, but you'll be left crashing after the sugar high wears off. I, I agree with your 7 out of 10, and I agree about the sugar high. It's the type of cereal uh, that a child would eat, and the inner dialogue of their uh, neurons would be, what am I even consuming right now? Does it even matter? How many marshmallows are in here? Why am I shaking so much? <laughs> so, yeah, it, like I said, it's, it's, it's a lot of sizzle, a lot of sizzle. Uh, but I would definitely recommend it because it's really cool. Uh, hey, if you would like to nominate a Saturday morning cartoon for us to discuss, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher with your nomination. Or you can fast-track your nomination by being a member of the Hot-Blooded Challenger Club. Hotbloodedchallenger.club. Uh, for Johnny Capcom, I'm Kyle Von Cubic. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll be right back after the next episode.